Welcome to the Simple Money, Simple Life podcast. I am Matt Erickson and I am your host. This is a podcast where we explore how simplicity beats complexity, especially in money matters. We explore investing, personal finance, and how to live a simple and awesome life. Welcome to episode three titled Investing Basics. When I was in college, I worked at a cheese factory. Now, the cheese factory's purpose was we would receive shipments in of large blocks of cheese, sometimes up to 600 pounds, and we would unpackage them, cut them into smaller pieces, repackage them, and ship them out to stores. Uh, My job at the cheese factory was to open these either 40-pound blocks or 600-pound blocks of cheese and help open them and then cut them and send them to the machines where they would be packaged and and distributed. It was a good job. I enjoyed it. I met a lot of great friends there and it helped put me through college. I worked a lot of hours there to help pay for my own college, which was really good for me. We had a lot of shenanigans that would go on behind the scenes at the cheese factory when the supervisors weren't watching. They had some great big garbage cans on wheels that where we'd throw the uh, slimy cheese wrappers into the garbage after we had opened the cheese and it would get really full of these wrappers and then we would have these little matches where we would try to throw each other into the slimy garbage can. But we had a lot of fun. One thing that they offered there was a 401k plan. At that time as a 21 year old, I had no idea what a 401k plan was. I was just told it would be a good idea to invest and put part of my paycheck into this thing. So I kind of blindly followed the advice and put my money, put a portion of my paycheck into this investing fund. The investment was a mutual fund and I had no idea what that was. I didn't know what I was investing in. And so I just blindly went ahead and did it. It wasn't until years later when I was moving that money to an IRA when I found out uh, what I was invested in and it wasn't very good. So the purpose of podcast episode number three today is to help us understand a little bit more about some financial terms that we really need to know. We're going to take a dive into investing over the next couple episodes. And in order to do that, we first have to understand what the terms mean. So the first term I want to explain is stocks. We, we've we all probably heard that term before, but I don't know if we're all really clear on exactly what it is. So a stock is, stocks are units of ownership in a company. When you buy a stock, you become a shareholder of that company, which means you now own a part of the company. If the, if the company's profits go up, you share in those profits. If the company's profits fall, so does the price of your stock. Since this is a type that is kind of risky, uh, then it typically has a higher return. Oftentimes, riskier investments will have a higher return. And so when you invest in stocks, it tends to be risky. The ride can be bumpy where the share prices go up and the share prices go down. Now, in order to buy a stock of a company, it has to be a publicly traded company. The government has some standards. As as the government, they have standards about how to become a publicly traded company. Uh, Some of the companies that you might recognize would be Apple, Microsoft, Google. They're some of the great big ones that are traded on the stock exchanges. 
And so as you buy these stocks and the prices go up, that's when you can enjoy the, the profits of those of the business. The opposite can happen too. If a business loses money and struggles, then your share price can go down, which means you can lose money. Now, we one of the missions I have is to make sure we all are buy and hold investors. I don't believe in buying individual stocks. I told you in the last podcast about the example of um, my parents owning a single stock and the share price going from $80 down to $20 during the Great Recession. And 10 years, let's see, now 12 years later now, that share price has gone from $20 to $30. It's not even sniffing $80 a share again, and it probably won't for a long, long time. So that having so much net worth tied up in one investment can be can be really dangerous. Fortunately, my parents had other, other investments and other retirement vehicles that has allowed them to live a good retirement. Now, oftentimes when you hear the term stock, you'll also hear the, the word bond. A bond is very different than a stock, but oftentimes people will own both of them. A bond is a certificate issued by government or public company promising to repay borrowed money at a fixed rate of interest at a specified time. So it's a debt instrument. So you lend a company or government money, they'll pay you back at the end of the term, if it's a one-year bond, two-year bond, five-year bond, 10-year bond, and you get interest payments throughout the course of the uh, transaction. So stocks make up part of a investment portfolio often, bonds make up a portion often, and sometimes people have cash. I think everybody knows what cash is. Now let me talk a little bit about a mutual fund. So when I was at the cheese factory, I invested in a mutual fund. I didn't know what that was, <clears throat> excuse me, but what a mutual fund is, is a company that pools money from many investors and invests the money in securities such as stocks, bonds, or things of that nature. The combined holdings of the mutual fund are known as its portfolio. So investors buy shares in mutual funds when they buy into a mutual fund. So imagine a big basket or a bucket with stocks of Microsoft, Google, Apple, Exxon, Johnson Johnson, McDonald's, and a mutual fund can hold shares of all these stocks. And that way you're able to simply buy one mutual fund, which owns potentially thousands of individual stocks. So what it does is it helps you spread out your risk and own many different companies and do so if you do it right at a very low price. So I want to talk to you about two different kinds of mutual funds that I'll be referring to in this podcast uh, quite frequently. One is called an actively managed fund. And what that is, is it's a mutual fund where an advisor is hired or a team of advisors is hired and they're called managers. They're assigned to pick stocks or other securities with a certain goal in mind. For example, they're they might be assigned to beat a particular index. I'll explain what an index is in a, in a minute. And so they pick certain stocks, hoping that it will outperform the general stock market. So actively managed funds are more expensive, as you might imagine, because they have to hire these brilliant fund managers to run them and to work in them. And these fund managers can make sometimes millions of dollars. They make a lot of money. And so actively managed funds have high fees. 
So the way you can tell this is when you look up a mutual fund, you can look at something called a, an expense ratio. Expense ratios are expressed in percentages. So actively managed funds are often um, maybe 0.80% to 2% management fee. So that's often how much actively active management funds cost. Now, the next kind of fund I'm going to explain is called an index fund. So an index fund is a type of mutual fund with a portfolio that's constructed to match or track the components of a certain financial market. One index that you'll often hear about is the Standards & Poor or the S&P 500. That is an, a group of stocks that are typically the 500 biggest or most profitable companies in America. So what an index fund does is it tracks that index. So if you buy an index fund, it's a lot cheaper because there's no active management. There's no manager picking which stocks go in the index. When you buy an S&P 500 index fund, you buy all 500 of those companies. And you buy them, the, you buy more shares of the companies that are it's called cap weighted, which means the companies that are worth more, you get more shares of that. So when you own an S&P 500 fund, you're going to own more Apple and Microsoft and Google than some of the funds that aren't um, worth as much that are towards the bottom of the index. So there's index funds that track all sorts of different markets. So they will track the S&P 500, but you can also buy an index fund that tracks the smaller companies in America, or international funds, or many other types of securities. So index funds are much, much cheaper. Oftentimes, like I said, an, an actively managed fund might be 1% that you're paying on that. It seems like very little, but as we'll discuss in a future epi episode, compounded over time, that can cost you tens of thousands of dollars. An index fund often can for example, Fidelity has free index funds, but they're often 0 0.02, 0.03, maybe 0 0.10, but they're so much cheaper than active managed funds. And there's a report that comes out every year that shows how do these compare? Like do active, active management, actively managed funds, do they outperform the index funds like they should since you're paying so much for them? And when you take into account the fees and the cost, index funds tend to outperform active management funds, especially over periods of long stretches of time. So over long periods of time, like 20, 30 years, index funds often will win 90% of the time. Over short periods of time, it's not quite as high. But what happens is one year an active manager might win, but oftentimes they won't repeat that or replicate that the next year. So it's a guessing game. I don't believe... When I, first, uh, when I first invested, my funds were in active management because I didn't know what that was. That's what I was put into. But I've learned over the years that I am going to stay purely in index funds. They tend to outperform on average, and they're going to beat most, the majority of investments out there. A lot of people try to get cute and think they can outsmart the market and buy the active manage funds or buy individual stocks, and typically that doesn't work. Yes, you're gonna see a person occasionally be able to do that, 
<coughs> excuse me, but most of the time not. Now the way to go about getting an index fund into your account would be through a, a low cost brokerage firm like Fidelity, Schwab, or Vanguard. Those are my three favorite. I house all of mine in Fidelity. I think they're a great company. They have a good website and it's easy to buy and sell. It's easy to set up contributions. So now we're gonna talk about some of the tools you can use to buy index funds. The first one we're gonna talk about is a 401k plan. So a 401k plan is a company-sponsored retirement account that you can contribute to if you're an employee uh, and then oftentimes employers may make matching contributions. For example, at my job, if I put in 4%, my company puts in 2%. And so what happens is that money, if in a traditional 401k, that money comes straight out of your paycheck. Uh, you have not paid taxes on that money, so it comes out without being taxed, which lowers your tax bill for the current year. Now they have something called a Roth 401k plan where you can have that money taxed first and then it grows tax-free. We'll get into the details of which one to pick later. Another instrument you can use to invest or to hold your mutual funds or index funds is called an IRA, an Individual Retirement Account. This is an account where you're able, if you're 50 or younger, you can contribute 6000 a year to an IRA. Now, you can put this money into the account, and then you can buy index funds inside the IRA, and then it can grow and compound over time. Another account which I really love so is the Roth IRA. So a Roth IRA is similar to an IRA. It's just that you pay taxes on the money first, and then you put it into the Roth IRA. Why do I like this? It's because the Roth IRA, the money and investments inside that vehicle have already been taxed so they can grow for years and years and you'll never be taxed on them again. The growth is not taxed. When you take them out, they're not taxed. And so it's a great vehicle for saving for the future. <clears throat> An interesting thing about Roth IRAs is they can also be used as an emergency fund. You can put money in and the money that you put in, you can take out whenever you want, penalty-free. Now, the growth on the money you cannot take out until you are 59 and a half or retirement age. So those are some, and, and there are income limits on if you can contribute to an IRA. And I don't have those right in front of me, but I think it's, I'm able I'm eligible to. I think once you hit in the 190,000 range, then you are not eligible for a Roth IRA. You have to do what's called a non-deductible IRA, which means you can still contribute to an IRA, but you just can't get a tax break for it, a tax deduction. There's one other vehicle that I like to talk about where you can invest in index funds. For example, if you're maxing out your now this would be for the super savers out there, which I have not made it to this level yet. Um, and I don't know if I ever will, but if you max out your 401k, which I think this year is 19,500, max out your Roth IRA, which is 6,000, and you still have money to invest, you can open what's called the taxable brokerage account at Fidelity. And what this is, is you put money in that's been taxed into a brokerage account, and then you can buy index funds within the brokerage account. 
and that money can grow. And when you take it out or cash out those stocks, you do have to pay what's called capital gains tax. So it's capital gains taxes are often lower than regular income tax. So they're still a great investment for people who have maxed out all the other retirement vehicles that they have. And for maybe someone who wants to retire early and doesn't want to wait until an advanced age to be able to withdraw their money. So I think we've covered those quite well. A couple other things to keep in mind that you'll hear me talk about. So people talk about qualified accounts versus non-qualified accounts. And this, this is very simple. It sounds complicated, but it's not a qualified account. It's simply an account that a retirement account that has certain tax advantages, like a 401k has tax advantages because you're able to contribute pre-tax into that account. And then when you do your taxes, your taxable income is lower because you did that. A Roth or IRA is a qualified account, Roth IRA, because they give you tax savings. A non-qualified account is does not give you any preferential tax treatment. So for example, the brokerage account I just explained would be an example of a non-qualified account. Now there's gonna be some other, just to bear with me, I just have a few more terms I need to talk about that you'll hear me talk about. I don't want to have to stop and explain each time what it means. So we'll be talking about equities. And equity typically is a synonym for stock. So an equity investment is money that is invested in a company by purchasing shares of that company in the stock market. So we'll sometimes use stocks and equities interchangeably. Another term you might hear me use is fixed income. And so bonds would be an example of fixed income. Fixed income is simply an investment approach focused on preservation of capital and income. So it might be something like government bonds, corporate bonds. That just means bonds issued by a company instead of by a government. CDs, money market funds, those would be fixed income instruments. So one thing we'll talk about throughout the investing portion of the podcast is the importance of being diversified. Um, diversified means you have different types of investments so that you're, you don't put all your eggs in one basket. So it might be wise to have cash, might be wise to have some bonds, it might be wise to have some stocks. One other term I want to talk about just a little bit. So you might wonder, okay, so I buy this index fund, let's say the S&P 500 fund. I own all these 500 biggest companies in America. I own shares of all these companies. And how do I make money off of that? So the way you make money off of that is two ways. One is something called a dividend. So a dividend refers to a reward or cash or otherwise that a company gives to its shareholders. So let's say a company is doing really well and instead of putting all their money back into the company, they issue a certain cash dividend to the shareholders. So when you hold an index fund, you, for example, the S&P 500 fund has a dividend around 2%. So most people will just reinvest that dividend right back into their account and buy more shares with it. So that is one way you can make money in the stock market is by getting dividends from these companies. Now, the other way typically with stocks of how you make money is called capital appreciation. Capital is just another word for money. So capital appreciation is a rise in an investment's market price. For example, Tesla recently has shot through the roof with its market price. It's gone way up. So the stock is much more expensive now when Apple has profits and they do well, 
the price of the stock goes up. So that's how you're able to make money is the price of the stock goes up. So then when you sell it, you sell it for a larger price. So oftentimes stock prices go up and down based on what's going on in the economy, what's going on in their niche of wherever their business is or what's going on in the world. So you'll see these prices fluctuate a lot. They'll go up and they'll go down during the Great Recession of 07 to 09. Uh, the general stock market went down 38%. It was a really tough time for people. A lot of people panicked and sold their investments when that price share was down. And so what they did is they locked in their losses when they did that. For those of us who rode out that market and didn't sell and just held on to those shares, the prices went back up eventually. It just took a few years to do so. So the best thing to do, in my opinion, is to be a buy and hold investor. You don't necessarily panic when the stock market tumbles. You just buy more shares because when the market is down, that means you're buying shares at a cheaper price. So instead of thinking, oh, I got to sell because the stock market's going down, now that's a great time to actually be buying. And if you're contributing to a 401k plan, you're buying, you're doing something called dollar cost averaging, which means you're buying shares every two weeks when you get paid, whatever the market's doing at that time, you buy them at those shares. So it, it's a great balancing act so that you're buying them when they're high, you're buying them when they're low and in between, which is a great way to invest. So I talked about diversification. One of its benefits is it's, it's a great risk management strategy that helps you with your portfolio. So it helps you so that when some things are going up, other things might be going down, but you have both. And that helps you so that you can get a good balanced return. So these are, these are all the terms I wanna talk about right now. I hope that those make sense to you. Uh, please go back and listen again if it was a little bit difficult, but they're important terms to understand so that you can begin investing in a 401k or an IRA or a Roth IRA. I just want to spend a minute telling you what I do. And mine, again, this podcast is about simplicity. So my financial approach is very simple. What I do is I, I've been investing in a 401k since I worked at Mountain Farms Cheese back in, when I was in college. And every job I've had since then, I've been fortunate to have a 401k plan. So typically you can name your percentage. The, the goal when you start out is to find out if you have a company match and invest at least up to the point where you can get a full company match. So some uh, companies have very generous matching programs and others don't match at all. So that's an important thing to ask the HR director so that you can get your full money. When you get a match, it's getting free money. It's basically another however thousand dollars a thousand two thousand three thousand dollars onto your salary uh, if you take advantage of it there's a lot of people who don't but getting the company match is crucial and if you can make if you make a lot of money and can max out your 401k all the way up to nineteen thousand five hundred I believe is what it is then you're in great shape I've never been able to do that and I don't know if I ever will I just haven't ever made enough money to be able to do that, but it's a great thing to do. And the other thing I do is I set up a Roth IRA for both my wife and for myself. So 
at the beginning of the year, I try to get mine maxed out as soon as I can. So if I get any tax money back, if I have any money left over, I try to dump it into my Roth IRA as soon as I can so I can get my dollars in there and start investing. And then I go to work on my wife's. And so we try to, some years we're able to max both of those out and some years we're not. It just depends on what we have going on. We went through a lot of medical issues as a family. So during those years, I was not able to do that. We, we had to put more money towards medical bills. So one thing I want to challenge you to look into is see if you have a 401k at work, make sure you're investing up to the match and also open up a Roth IRA. Even if you can only put in $50 a month, whatever you can to get it started, get it started. And they're not too complicated to open or start. They're pretty self-explanatory if you go to the website. Um, now, once you are have your 401k and your Roth IRA opened, uh, the next step can be a tricky one. And this is something I've helped coworkers with a lot over the years is figuring out how to choose which funds to invest in. Oftentimes, there will be 20 different mutual funds listed on your menu on your 401k and you have no idea what to invest in. So we will discuss that on the next episode of how to choose funds, how to look at a 401k, how to look at a Roth IRA, and we'll dive into that next time. That will be all for today's episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast. Please go to your favorite podcast platform and leave a five-star review and subscribe to the show. And please tell a friend about us. And remember, the simple life is a good life.